of a friend who has a side hustle or somebody you're working with mentioned salary, like don't be embarrassed or afraid to say, oh, like you need to be asking for more, right? Like let them know because they just might not be aware. So so I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it goes across all aspects of career and business. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. This week's guest is Eliana Goldstein. She is a certified professional coach who works with ambitious individuals to create the necessary mindsets, learn the key strategies, and set the goals needed to move to the next level in their careers whether that's growing where they are or moving into an entirely different career path. Listen, we spend over 90,000 hours at work and working. So her goal is to teach people how to build careers, which they don't completely dread Monday morning. And so Eliana, I can relate to that last like dreading (laughs) when I used to work and just like that day to day. So I'm excited to hear from you on how journeyers can really just hone in on our skill sets and have the best career for us while earning as much as we want to and can. Yep, absolutely. No, I'm excited to talk about it and I'm excited. I appreciate you having me here. Yeah. So first, tell me a little bit about yourself. So how did you find yourself in this position as a career coach and someone who's helping people with their career and their money and learning more? How did you get here? Yeah. So I'm sure my story will probably resonate with a lot of people. I, you know, prior to being a coach, I worked in the corporate world. I worked in the ad tech industry in sales for almost 10 years. And I had the very kind of typical career, great on paper, climbing the corporate ladder. I moved around a lot. And I was in, like I said, I was in ad tech. I worked in the healthcare industry. I worked at a startup. All the while, like trying to figure out where is it that I want to be, but I kept feeling like I was misplaced. And there was a part of me that just felt like, okay, this, is, this isn't this is it for me. I really can't envision this for another 5, 10, 15 years, but I didn't know what to do instead. So I kept you know, doing the typical things, going for the promotion, making the change, all the while, again, just not finding myself where it was that I wanted to be. So I decided like, okay, like, hold up, let's stop, let's stop doing this. This isn't working and I need to kind of try something different. So it was actually like at the suggestion of a friend of mine uh, that I went to this like, really intensive personal and professional development seminar. And I know, you know, it's so corny when there's like those pivotal aha moments, but that kind of became a turning point for me in the sense that 
it taught me I have a lot more control over my career than I was giving myself credit for and that I didn't need to just kind of keep falling into these new new roles. I could be more intentional about it. And that sort of like set me down this journey of really figuring out, okay, what am I good at? Like, what is the impact that I want to have? What is going to allow me to like build the wealth that I want and be able to, you know, support myself in my life and my family while also feeling like I'm engaged in what it is that I'm doing. And through like a lot of reflection on my skill sets, through a lot of market research and networking, I came across the world of coaching and I figured, okay, like this feels like it's hitting a lot of, you know, like checking a lot of those boxes. So let me try this out. And I went to a certified professional coaching program just to learn more about it and and just see like, does this feel right for me? And it did. And so originally I started this as a side hustle which I think many people do from a business perspective. And I'm a a big fan of side hustles. And from there, it kind of grew until I decided to go full-time. And now I've been doing this full-time for almost four years, which is really crazy. I can't believe it's been that long. It feels like it just flew by. And my goal is, you know, exactly what you had shared earlier, just helping people build careers where they don't dread Monday morning. And that's going to look different for every single person. And we have to figure out kind of what what that means for each of us. So... That's a little bit, you know, at a very high level, my backstory, how I got here. Well, what kind of questions can we begin to ask ourselves if we find ourselves stuck or kind of in this mundane cycle or rut where we are just going to work, we don't enjoy it? What should we start to ask ourselves to get to the bottom of where we actually want to be? Yep. Yep. Such a good question. And, you know, you would think it's a question we should be thinking about, but we often don't. You know, I always say we're never taught how to figure out what the right career is for us. We just graduate from college. We maybe have a degree and then we just go with whatever that degree is. So what we really want to think about, and it's so simple, but it makes such a difference is like, what do I enjoy and what do I not enjoy, right? I call them, what are your areas of engagement and what are your areas of disengagement? And from that, it can be really telling in terms of, do I notice there's a lot of aspects of my job that engage me? And if so, okay, what are the skill sets that I can cultivate from that? And what of those skill sets is transferable to other fields? And am I, or am I super disengaged? Am I noticing that like, I really hate everything about my career and there's like only one thing I can think of that I like, then we definitely know we need to make a bigger change and we have to figure out, okay, that one aspect that I like, again, where is that transferable to other places? So that's one of like the first things I always recommend areas of engagement and areas of disengagement. And it can kind of start building from that place. Can you give examples of what specific in, like areas of engagement can be? I know that would be different for everyone because someone person's engagement is someone else's disengagement, right? Like Exactly. <laughs> but what are some examples of that so people can start thinking about like, oh, that applies to me. That works. Yeah. Yep. So I'll give you an example that I give a lot just because it like it shows the ability to leverage those transferable skills. This is actually like a client of mine that I worked with. So I had a client that worked in graphic design, a very creative field, and she wanted to pivot out of the kind of creative space, move into something more strategic, but she just had no idea what to do. And like many creatives, she felt like, okay, that's just not going to be transferable to anything, right? So she went through this audit, really understanding, okay, my areas of engagement. And she noticed that every single summer, she was in charge of this 
this time of seasonal hires. They'd bring on a lot of new graphic designers that she would have to, you know, find and recruit and then interview, then onboard, train, all those various things. And she was like, this time, this period of time leading up to the summer was always the part of my job that I got most excited about. And she always ignored it because it was so irrelevant to the creative side of her job. But through doing that, we really realized that she was meant for a career more so in human resources and really in recruiting. So being able to uncover those areas of engagement, even though, again, it was like maybe 15% of her role, it led her down that path and then was able to like leverage those skills as those transferable skills and make that pivot. So a lot of the times, like you really have to audit and think through everything, even the aspects of your role that are, you know, smaller in nature to be able to figure out, okay, how can I use this wisely moving forward? And then how do you reconcile? So, you know, we have things we're interested in, like our passions, even that we're good at, that we want to make money from, but you don't really feel like it's a way to make money or a career path. And then sometimes, you know, trying to turn a passion into like your career, it doesn't always result into stability, especially for creatives. So what do you do there with, like you said, we're not really taught how to evaluate our careers or start how to pick our careers. You know, you get my kids are at the age where, what do you want to be? And, you know, you kind of just like pick up things from the air and firefighter. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, and it's all great. Right. But it's kind of like, you don't really know. You really, from my experience, it's hard to, I never really knew. I just knew I wanted to make money, but I didn't really have a passion like for a lot of things. So how do you figure out based on what you enjoy or not enjoy or turning a passion into a career or not? What are your thoughts on that? So you know, it's funny you bring up passions. Like I always say that passions are a massive misconception when it comes to facilitating our career journeys. And that's because like you can be, you know, really passionate about cooking, right? I love to cook. I'm at home. I do it all the time. But let's just say you land the job at, I don't know, like the Food Network and you're so excited, but your boss is awful. You have no creativity in your job. You have no work-life balance. Like there are all these massive issues coming up. It doesn't matter how passionate you are about it. You're going to be miserable. So I often say like, passions, they can play a part. And if you can find a job that allows you to leverage those passions while also hitting other important non-negotiables, that's great. But what we really want to focus on, like I said before, are your areas of engagement. You want to replace passions with values, right? Values are really what ground us. And you want to get clear on what are the values that are most important to me in my career? Is it creativity? Is it collaboration? Is it autonomy? Is it adaptability, right? Because in the end, you're going to be happiest in a career that aligns with those values. And often, like I talk to clients and they'll be like, again, going on the creativity example, I'm miserable in my career. I'm so unhappy. And when we get down to the root of it, like they're this deeply creative person and they have no creative outlet where they are. So I like, if you're finding yourself in that place of, well, is my passion going to translate into anything? Like put the passion aside, start thinking about your values and how you can leverage those and where you can find those in your career path. That's a smart suggestion for people because when I think about as you're listing what you, you know, prioritize and your values, I'm like, I value stability. So even if I was passionate about something, I want to be stable first and, you know, have that groundwork where I can financially be okay. So I'm not really willing to risk being financially in, unstable or unstable to follow just my passions. Well, I, I know some people are like, I'm going to go after that. You know, I'm going to be in the creative space and I know it doesn't make a lot of money, but I'm going to keep going. And for me, I realized that I chose more stability and then did my things on the side as creative work versus I know some people who, you know, they're focused on the creative work, but it doesn't always pay. 
And then they kind of, you know, they're figuring it out. And sometimes it ends up going well and maybe not. And they're fine with just a modest lifestyle. But what can we say to like people who are making that decision between continuing to follow a passion or gift, a creative side to them? Um, maybe, you know, a dancer or um, someone who is a professional dancer, but wants more stability. How would you advise that person to begin looking at their next choices if they were coming up to a point where they needed to make a decision between stability and passion and love for what they're doing? I know this sounds really corny, but, and I think what you're hinting at to agree is the notion that like generally in these more creative fields that they don't pay well, right? And there's this notion of a trade-off that exists very often. It's like, oh, I'm a dancer. I'm going to pursue this. And as a result, like I'm just going to have to go through a career where I don't have that stability and I don't have that paycheck. And I like to say, again, I know it's super corny, but it's like a lot of it, it, it starts with your mindset. It's not only your mindset, but it starts there. Like if you tell yourself, there's no way for me to leverage like my strengths and the things that I love while still getting paid well, it's not going to happen, right? Like, cause you're not even going to open yourself up to those possibilities. So first you have to tell yourself, I believe that I can like leverage my strengths and do the things that I love while also being able to create a stable career and like then be able to get creative from there. So that's one of the first things. And then, as I was mentioning before, like it goes back to what I was talking about. So the first thing we want to do is like the audit of ourself, right? Get to know me on a deeper level, all my various skill sets, even within like the dance realm, right? Do I love dance because I love the opportunity to mentor and help people and help them, you know, use fitness. I'm making this up, but like use fitness to be happy in their career, right? Like we want to get to like the root behind everything. So why specifically about dancing? Like what about it engages you? What about dis- it disengages you? What are the values that you have when it comes to dancing? And then the other areas that I like to talk about are your states of flow, which is basically when you're doing any type of work or you're doing anything in general, you just get so into the zone, you lose track of time, right? Like you're like, I'm on the dance floor and you know, two hours go by, it feels like it's been three minutes. And then the last aspect is zone of genius. So your zone of genius is, which I'm sure you've heard before, like this is your superpower. This is what people know you for. This is what people come to you for. You want to get clear on what that is. And then through being able to kind of pull out all that information, you can like almost create this like avatar of yourself and get to know yourself on a deeper level. And then from there, you really can figure out, okay, how can I leverage this moving forward? Maybe it is that you're dancing, but then on a side, as a side hustle, you're helping other people open up dance studios, right? And you're like building a consulting business around that. Like I'm completely making it up, but I think it's just more so about like opening yourself up to the possibilities, getting to know you on a deeper level, figuring out those transferable skills, figuring out what makes you unique. And then how do I turn this into some type of an income? Because I really believe that like anything can generate money, right? You just have to like figure out how to make it do that to a degree. Right. And I feel like you see that, especially more with social media and especially the way people earn money. You're like, wow, like some people are earning great money. There's tangential, keeping in the dance world, dance related things, right? Like you said, teaching people to open up a dance studio or dance fitness. And and then maybe there's something around there that like, there's just so much that you didn't really think was a career or there was not an option for that career. And then you're opened up to more of that um, as the world kind of evolves. For someone listening and they're like, okay, like I'm in a job now, two scenarios. So I'll paint a picture of two different people. Someone is in a job now. They don't feel like they love it at all and they feel stuck. And then the next one would be someone who, you know, is it, likes their work, but doesn't feel like they get paid enough 
doesn't necessarily feel stuck, but wants to fast track and get more money. So how would those two people navigate their career to finding something they love and earning more? Yep. So it's actually like funny enough, it will be similar for both of them. So the person who's in a role right now and just feels like I'm stuck, this isn't working for me. Before you make the move, what I think often happens is people are like, I'm unhappy where I am. Let me just make the pivot, right? Let me just like find a role that's like in a somewhat different industry. So it feels a little bit different. I'll start sending my resume out. And then, you know, maybe in four or five months from now, they land another job and then they find themselves in the exact same situation. So what you really want to do again is like, it's, it's the market research, right? Why am I unhappy in my current job? Like what isn't working here? So I can figure out and find a role that's going to prevent that from happening in the future. So you have to get more strategic and more intentional around that. And then similarly, what is working well? What do I want to emulate in that next job? And then like, find the job before you start even interviewing, start talking to people in the industries, in the roles that you're interested in. Is this resonating with me? Does this hit on what I want? And does this, you know, remove what I don't want, right? Like get intentional about it so that when you do get to the point of now starting to apply or starting to network or starting to interview, you feel really secure about the decision that you're making. So that's that person who's like, okay, I need to get out of here. The second person who's like, I want more, like maybe I feel like it's not their, my job isn't leveraging my skill sets to agree, to a degree. A lot of the times, like, again, we're not intentional about how and where we want to grow within our company. So you want to like get clear on, again, your core skill sets and almost your personal brand. Like, what am I recognizing? What are the projects that I'm enjoying doing at work? And what are the projects that I'm not enjoying doing? Why am I enjoying those projects and why am I not enjoying those projects? Again, like it's the auditing of yourself that we never, ever spend the time doing. And now once I have a clear understanding of what I enjoy doing and really where I can add value, I can now have a conversation with my manager so I can self-advocate. Hey, this is what I'm noticing about myself. This is a type of work where I can really leverage my strengths and my skill set and where I believe I can add the most value. I wanted to share this with you and, and hear your thoughts and opinions so that if projects of this nature pop up, you can like tap me in for this, right? Not only is that going to help you enjoy your job more, but that's going to expedite your growth in that path to a promotion because you're self-advocating, because you're intrinsically implanting the value that you have. So that's like, it's really like the deep dive, getting to know yourself before you like make any big decisions decisions is what it comes down to. Yes. I mean, it's very much the same with, you know, your financial independence journey is a lot of it. We want to just act and we think, oh, getting to that point, like more money or being debt free will alleviate all the problems. Now it will alleviate some problems that you have, but really like there's like levels to if there's a, if you're, you're unhappy at certain parts, you have to fix the, the root of that first, then like the why and understand the why of that first as you begin to make moves. Exactly. So let's talk money. Yes. Let's talk money. Let's talk money and the differences or tips for people negotiating within a job versus transferring jobs and companies and how they should approach that differently or when they should move on somewhere else. So it's it's some like it's tweaked a little bit, a, somewhat of a similar process. So again, like before you internally, you're going to ask for more money you, it's virtually like you're asking them to invest in you, right? Like pay me more money so that I can return that investment in some way. So you still always really want to get clear, like on what your core skill sets are, on what differentiates you from other members of your team. And you also want to tie that to goals that your team or your company is working towards, right? How can I show that my assets as a professional will help my team meet and exceed their goals? 
And once you do that, once you kind of prepare, this is what differentiates me. This is what, you know, I'm ultimately really good at. Then you want to be able to sit down and have that conversation and be able to share like, hey, this is where I can help. I know we're working towards this. This is what I think I can do to like make that happen. And with that in mind, I, you know, I want to talk about like my growth path here. And you're always positioning it from the perspective of, I want this company to grow. I want to grow so that this company can grow as well, right? And being able to share, you know, this is what my intentions are. This is where I want to be in six months or in a year from now. What do I need to do to make that happen? Like in in connection with the goals of the company, right? So and all that to say that I think what happens a lot of the times, and I'm sure you find this, is that people like blow up these conversations in their head and they get so nervous about it. And they think like they need to be in a certain place. And I can't even have this conversation before it's the year mark and all these things. And we make it such a big deal when it's really not as big of a deal. It really just comes down to like, what is my value? What are the goals that I want to hit? And how can I connect those goals to the goals of the company as well? And sit down and have a conversation about it and see what your manager says in response, right? Like that's always the first step. So when should they bring this? So I know there's, you know, back when I was working in corporate America, you know, that year end, you know, review time, when should they start to bring up? Like, let's just say we're starting from the beginning of the year. And I know everyone has different fiscal years and how they do things, but what are the markers in timeline on when you should be bringing these conversations up so that, because sometimes they already made decisions about bonuses. They might be like a set point where they have to cut it off, but some companies can do it throughout the year. So what are some of the intervals in which you should be having these conversations throughout the year and how often you should you be having it do you, where, you know, you don't want to, this is a limiting thought right here, but you don't want to come off as pushy, but that shouldn't even be your thought, right? It's like, I'm, I'm advocating for myself and letting you know that I, I want more money, right? Yep, exactly. No, it's a great question. So, and you were kind of just hitting the nail on the head. So let's just say hypothetically, like you're having your end of year review, which I think a lot of people are coming up on right now. Now I'm thinking about like the year coming up. So you have this end of year review. You re- you think about what's gone well, what hasn't gone well. Let's just say like you don't get promoted this year. You want to make sure that in that conversation, you're already talking about the following year, right? So discussing your goals, what you want to see happen again, whether it's a raise, whether it's a promotion and really getting clear on what do I need to accomplish in order for that to happen. You should know that going into the upcoming year, like whatever your fiscal year is, right? It varies from company to company. Once you have a clear understanding of that, it's on you to be checking in and also showcasing how you're pacing towards those goals, right? So you should have, it's funny, I was talking about this on Instagram this morning, like you need to have some type of a tracker. These are all my goals. This is like how I'm pacing towards these goals. And then I would say like at least quarterly, right? Like at least once a quarter, maybe even more having the conversation with your manager and your one-on-one, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, this is how it's going. This is how I'm pacing towards this. Maybe I need more support on this one. I finished this ahead of schedule. Let's put something else on my plate. Cause I can handle it. Right? Like at least on a quarterly basis, being having those conversations. And I would say at the mid year mark about, you know, six, six months in say like, I'm really making a point to say, you know, this is where I'm at with things. I know that we had discussed at the very beginning of the year that I'm looking towards getting a promotion. How am I tracking towards that? Is there anything additional that I need to be doing? So you need to be having these conversations very, very early. As I said, it's like you're planting the seed the year before and most people don't do that, right? It's like mid-year review, maybe two weeks before they email their manager. They're like, hey, like, can I get promoted this year? Like, 
it's way too late at that point. So it's it's really, really early is the key. And it just sounds like you need to be direct and upfront about your expectations and just clear about it. And it's the conversation that they owe you, you that you deserve to have. Financial independence is not having to work for money anymore, but financial freedom is about having options. You can have financial freedom while on the journey to financial independence, and my brand new book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, a step-by-step guide to achieving wealth and happiness, will show you exactly how to achieve that. Your Journey to Financial Freedom comes out December 5th, but you can pre-order today and get my brand new course, Firestarter, the Financial Independence Blueprint for free to get started on how to chart your course to more money, less debt, and more freedom today. Discover how to define FI and financial freedom for yourself, work on the FI components and the FI formula, calculate your FI number and more with this brand new course. The program includes four video lessons taught by me, a companion workbook to help you implement the lessons and more. You can get the course for free immediately when you pre-order one hard copy of my book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom today. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash book to order the book and get your free course. For the person who just feels like, because it's a dead end and or they realize that, because this happens all the time when you're in a company and if they're not giving you that like big raise, it's like those little annual inflation raises, but they hire people in with the new hires making more than you, right? And you can make more money when you jump to another company. So in that case, what are some tips there to exponentially increase income as you move to another company? Yeah. So, I mean, job hopping, as you were talking about it, like generally say like 10 to 20% increases at least, right? So it's definitely the best way to do it. And it's unfortunate that companies like can't support that type of internal growth. But as you're like thinking about jobs and roles, you obviously want to do your market research, right? Like based on the city that I'm in, what is the average pay for roles of this nature that I'm looking at, right? Like get clear on the comps and kind of where you fall in relation to those comps. Are you way below the average Are you above average? Are you at the top end, right? You want to know kind of where you are so you can figure out what a reasonable ask is when you're going into having those salary conversations with, you know, a potential new employer. And, you know, there's a lot of different schools of thought in terms of like when you should bring it up and when you shouldn't and should they be the one to initiate it? Should you not? I think, you know, I generally say like, follow their lead in the very beginning. Usually if like you're talking to a recruiter, if they ask you what your salary requirements are, I'm a believer that you should share what it is. And as long as it's well-researched and you pad your ask is what I like to say. Like if you're looking to make 100K, ask for 110, 115, right? Like create a little bit of wiggle room there. I don't think there's anything wrong with you sharing it as opposed to, you know, the school of thought is don't say what it is that you want because then what if you like undercut yourself? Again, like I think if it's the right company and they really value you and you've done your research, that isn't gonna happen as frequently. But again, follow their lead there from that perspective. And then when it comes to it, like, it really comes down to the interview and being able to really, like, again, show your the ROI of you, right? I understand what the challenges of the role are. And here's how my skill sets and my value will be able to navigate and manage those challenges. And in the end, like, give us some type of return, right? Hit our goals, exceed our goals. So you want to be positioning that ROI and that value that you bring throughout your interview so that when it comes to you getting an offer and you getting like dollars on the table, 
they're totally meeting you exactly where you want to be. Or if they're not, you can then go back and have that negotiation conversation and be able to say, you know what, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative of this. You know, everything that you've I've learned throughout the interview process is like absolutely like this hits the nail on the head for me. I did though want to discuss salary because, you know, as I've mentioned and because of my skill sets and what I can bring to the team, I'm really looking for a salary of and you know, putting the number out there. So you know, like following their lead when it comes to the com- when it gets brought up in the conversation, then being able to position that value effectively so that you can ultimately ask for more. Right, right. I have a, a friend who's also a career coach, Dorian St. Fleur of um, Your Career Girl. And she, I mean, she amazes me. Like, you know, you both are obviously helping people make more money. And one of the things she does, which, you know, I, I don't know if it's a personality thing, but she, I think she advises her clients to do this too. So I want to get your opinion on this is she will wait to the last moment. Like she will make the employer fall in love with her first. Like, you know, she'd be like, no, like, let's hold off on that until like they literally want her or her client because they've gone to the end and like she's showed up to the interview. She's done her bish. And you can, to me, this works when you are, like you said, presenting yourself in a way in which you are, you are the prize, right? Like you are the one that they want. 100%. And, you know, for me, it's funny because my personality like is more like, I need to tell them right away what I want. So I'm not wasting my time here. And she's like playing more of a long game where it's just like, no, this is like a dance. This is a date. Like I'm gonna make them fall in love. And then because they're going to be so in love, you know, then when I, we start the conversation at the end about salary, they're more inclined to pay my worth. So I'd love to hear your opinion on that. No, I love that. I think she's 100% right. And that's like, ideally, when they bring up that salary question, because sometimes like on a phone screen, they will bring it up, right? You can say in that situation too, if you're not comfortable at that point yet, and you want to like learn more about the role, say, you know what? I want to wait on having that conversation till I better understand the, you know, the demands of the role and better understand the scope of the role to be able to like give you kind of what it is that to give you an answer, right? And then really hold off until the end, 100%. Um, and then, yeah, make them love you, like make them see the ROI that you can bring. And because c- that can maybe even bring them up, like they might have a certain budget in mind. And then through seeing like the value that you can bring to the role and how much like how quickly you can ramp up, they might be able to bump that up, right? So yes, I completely agree that ideally, you want that to wait as close to the end as possible. Back to going with salaries. So this is one thing I know people get a little, you know, iffy about is sharing salaries with coworkers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, the transparency really helps a lot because you'd be surprised like how underpaid you may be or the other person may be. And then by sharing that, it, it requires the employer to step it up. So what are your thoughts on that? And how do you go about what if you do want to know? How do you go about having that conversation with the, your fellow employee? Yeah, I mean, I think pay transparency is so important. And obviously, like, we're seeing it become a bigger part of the conversation. Like, you know, in certain states, you have to post the salary and ranges and things like that. But I think 100%, it's so helpful to know what your coworker is making, especially if you have the same title and it can help from an inequity perspective and all those various like really important points. So I think that the first thing is like, I would say you want to find the right person to have the conversation with, right? You're not going to like go to like some senior person and be like, oh, what are you, what are you getting paid? Right. But I think we all, you know, have sometimes like our work bestie, our work husband or work wife, right. Who we feel comfortable with. And I think you can just like open up the conversation and just, you know, say, Hey, you know, 
I, you know, I've been working really hard here. I'm thinking about going for a promotion. But as I approach that, I really am trying to figure out like, am I being compensated fairly? I've done some research online, like on Glassdoor and those kinds of things. And I figured it'd be helpful to, you know, ask someone, you know, internally who I really respect and, and have that conversation with you. Right. I think just kind of opening the door to that. And they might be like, breathe a sigh of relief and be like, oh, I'm so glad you brought it up. I've been wanting to talk about this with someone. And you can always let them know too, like if you're not comfortable with it, no worries. Then we don't have to have this, that we can pretend like this conversation never happened, right? It's not like you're forcing anybody to do it. You're just opening the door. And if they're willing to share and you find out that you are being, you know, underpaid, that can be ammo for a conversation. Now we don't want to go have that conversation and be like, you know, Sarah's getting paid X amount more than me. Like, that's not what we want to do. We're not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but we can still think about like, say like based on my market research that I've been doing based on the value that I bring to this role, based on like comps that I've seen and the additional work that you've put on my plate, I want to discuss a raise of X amount. Right. And like, you can use that as like behind the scenes ammo that they don't necessarily know about. And it's any, this same thing applies to being an entrepreneur, whether like since I make some money through like brand partnerships and, you know, there are brands that approach me, but they also approach my fellow creators and friends, many of which like we actually like know each other really well. And I found the same thing where it's just like you, obviously, you know, I'm not going to text or write a stranger. I haven't, I haven't, I don't know who they are and just ask them, Hey, how much does this brand offer you? And of course there are some things in contracts where you're not supposed to share it's confidential, but when you do have like trusted circles where you can be like, hey, like I just saw you got tapped for this or I see your, you know, what is, what are you thinking? Or even if it's not the same deal, but you have people who are in the space, whatever space that is, you can ask them, hey, I, this is what this company is offering me. What do you think? I just think it's really key in all aspects, whether you work working in like a corporate structure or just as an entrepreneur, a side hustler to ask the questions like, how much are you charging or how much are you getting paid for this thing if the person is willing to share? Because even in the space, there are some people who are more like close to the vest on money or don't like asking other people about money. And I just find it benefits us all when we can share like what it is, because then I can know like, wow, like you charge three times as much as me. I didn't even have the guts to do that. And like, I can now ask for more. Yeah. You know, it's so funny like that you're saying that I recently had an experience because I do some speaking in addition to coaching. And I actually had a client that I worked with like a couple years ago, who's now at this company. And we had just been discussing me coming in to lead a workshop and do some speaking there. And what we had originally had a call and discussed my rates. And even when like I gave her my rates, I like noticed almost like this look of surprise. And I immediately, like after the fact, I went to send her like a text message separately. And I was like, I saw like a look of surprise when I shared my rates. And I I really felt like it was because I was underpricing myself. This was already something that I had been thinking about that I was like underpricing my speaking rates. So I reached out to her and I just said, Hey, like, are you comfortable sharing with me what you usually pay speakers on average? Because I'm rethinking my pricing structure going into the new year. And she was like, I'm so glad you asked me because the second you told me it, I thought I didn't want to be rude, but I was like, oh my God, she's completely underpricing herself. It's that's like crazy. So I had that conversation and that was so helpful to me to be able to have that, right? Like, and that really impacts like my business and my bottom line. So being open to having those conversations and also like giving people, like if you hear a a friend who has a side hustle or somebody you're working with mentioned salary, like don't be embarrassed or afraid to say, oh, like you need to be asking for more, right? Like let them know because they just might not be aware. So, so I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it goes across all aspects of career and business. 
Yeah. And sometimes it's okay to be the first one to share it like, and be up front. So I've noticed that I've done that before too, where it's like, I'm interested to know what the person is doing. So I'm like, hey, so this is what I'm getting for this. And like, so, you know, let them know, like, I don't want you to think I'm just asking you and I'm, and I'm just like, not going to share. Like, I'm going to be open first. I'm going to show you my hands and then you, you can tell me or you don't have to, but I think it's beneficial for us to talk about this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I completely agree. So as we are earning more and money is important, there's other things that create a compensation package, right? And other things we can be negotiating for. So what are some things that people leave on the table or don't even think about that is beneficial, may not always be money, but is they can negotiate? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my rule of thumb is if it's on the company's career website, it's 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 negotiable, right? So that can be like anything from vacation time to like additional benefits like gym membership costs and coverage and learning and development stipends, right? Like if it's there, you can negotiate on it. And like you said before, like or sometimes there's a job that you just absolutely want so badly and they can't exactly get you to where you want to be from a salary perspective, but you know that there's so much growth opportunity. So that might be a situation where you say, look, like I want to move forward with this opportunity because I, I love this company and I love your mission and I see so much growth opportunity here. But given we can't exactly meet where I want from a salary perspective... Can we talk about like the learning and development stipend? Because I was thinking about getting this certification and maybe you guys can increase that so that I can go out and get that, that certification, right? Which is only going to help me in my job from an upskilling perspective. So like check out the company website and benefits, see which ones pique your interest. And then again, if push comes to shove and those, it feels like after salary, you want to like look into some of those, bring that into the conversation and it's completely reasonable. And Then one of my other things too, like kind of on the same line, if you can't get to the place from a salary perspective that you really want to get to, and you've talked about other benefits, maybe that's not working. Like something I always recommend doing is planting the seed to have that conversation again in three months, right? So you can say, I know again, can't get to where I want to be. I really want to join this team, but can we have this conversation again in three months once I've been able to prove myself and my value and my ability to ramp up more quickly? This way you don't feel like you need to wait till six months or a year to be able to initiate those conversations. So there's like always workarounds when it comes to negotiating your starting package and, and things like that. Let's talk about office dynamics and coworkers and so being social. So, you know, one of the things that I feel like I am more of a loner in terms of how I like to operate, right? So like most times I want to eat by myself. Even, you know, I remember working at Corporate America, I'd kind of like hot when everyone's going to lunch, like I'd find my way to the bathroom. <laughs> so they wouldn't ask me to go. And I, you know, I enjoyed them. When I talk about my job, I, I, you know, I, sometimes I feel bad because oftentimes I say, oh, it wasn't my passion and I didn't enjoy it. But the people, most of the people, they were lovely, you know, they were really good people, but I still just like being by myself. And and I don't think it impacted me much. I mean, I still climbed up and, you know, I I was climbing the ranks a bit. I mean, but I probably could have been more social. So what about the people who don't want to like play those games, like play, like going to lunch and talking outside of like the business. They don't want to do small talk. How does that impact them? Should they just suck it up and just like do the lunch once a week? And then that affects your financial journey, right? So that's also tied because sometimes you have coworkers, they're always going out to eat together. And you're just like, I'm, like that's every day spending money on this and I'm trying to save money. So what are your tips on navigating the social aspect of the workplace and how that impacts your career? 
No, I, that's such a good question. I really love that question. So, and I think like you're hitting on something important, right? Like for you, it might, might be that like autonomy was a value of yours, right? So you want to make sure that like you're getting that level of autonomy in your job. Now, I actually don't think that like that going out to lunch with coworkers is what's really going to impact your growth. Like, I think it's, it's nice to have those, those relationships, right. And to have those outlets, but is that going to impact like whether you're getting promoted or a raise or things like that? Not really. Right. Like maybe the, there's a time that your manager asks you to get a lunch with her, like, you know, a couple times a year, I would say maybe suck that up because it's your manager and you don't want to completely turn them down. But the most effective way to grow is like through internal networking strategies. And that does not have to be like through lunch and these like kind of side conversations. That's really as simple as like during working hours, reaching out to someone over Slack or whatever, like internal means of communicating you do and being like, Hey, so-and-so, you know, I heard you're working on XYZ project. You know, if you have 15 minutes, I'd love to chat with you about it and hear what some of the challenges are and see if there's a way that I can help right? Like something as simple as that and have a 15 minute phone conversation and uncover, uncover some of their challenges and be like, oh yeah, I did X, Y, and Z last year. And I can definitely like put something together to, for you to help, right? That's how you like build those connections across the company and do that with people that can impact your ability to grow. And that's like how you grow, right? Not like needing to have like these social interactions that can be a little bit more face value. So I think like do what's best for you from that perspective. And if you need an outlet and you're like, I need to like sit by myself and just like zone out for an hour, do what's going to feel healthiest for you and focus on growth opportunities in other ways that can be a little bit more playing the game, but like won't necessarily like affect you from a social perspective like that. Right. I mean, and you think about the people who like, they're not that well-liked, but they still do well. It's because like, they're just great at their job or the people who need to like them, like them and everyone else. It's just like, uh, you know. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's sad. Like, I know when people hear that, they're like, oh God, it's so frustrating. But like, unfortunately, like I always say, you know, there is a bit of a game that needs to be played, but you can do it while still like being authentically yourself and not doing things that are out of alignment with your values. Right. You just like have to know a little bit how to play the game. Like that's just like a a part of the product of, of working for another person to a degree. So let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. And like the trade-offs, right? So you're an entrepreneur full-time. You've been doing it for a few years now after leaving corporate America. And, you know, the thing I think, especially for people on the financial independence journey, is this idea that they want to be in control of their time and their energy. And sometimes entrepreneurship does that for them, like, because then they get to create their own schedule. But it doesn't mean they don't have to work hard or work to then earn money, as you know. And so that's why I say entrepreneurship as a pathway to financial independence is not for everyone. It's a great, if you can make money from entrepreneurship, like it's great because then you, you get the best of both worlds. But what are your thoughts on, you know, people trying to pursue financial independence and more freedom in their lives, being a nine to fiver, working for someone else versus being an entrepreneur? What are the trade-offs? Let's talk a little bit about that. Because sometimes people who are on both sides, like look at the other side, like that's actually not so bad over there, you know, and grass is green. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think that obviously when you look at the, the, the entrepreneur and that, that lifestyle, it feels like, oh, wow, like you're controlling your own hours. You don't have to respond to a boss and you get to like do the work that you want to do. Obviously that's all incredible, but then the typical trade-offs are less stability, right? Like I, you can't say, I know I'm going to get this paycheck every single week. Like obviously you hope you get your business to a point of, uh, of being there, but even with that, like nothing is ever a guarantee, 
And that can be challenging and more difficult. And I even think with the entrepreneurship journey too, right? You you feel like, oh, I, you have more flexibility, but so many entrepreneurs completely overwork themselves, right? Because you're so connected and inspired by, by what it is that you're doing, which is an amazing thing, but it's like almost hard to disconnect. I think that's something I have experienced for sure, where I was like very disconnected from my corporate career and I didn't really care to like ever be working past my nine to five. I was like, whatever, screw it. I don't care about this. Right. But now like my husband will look at me sometimes be like, Eliana, get off your computer. Like it's eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, I just can't help it because I'm excited about this. Right. So like that there's trade-offs on both sides. And then you look at the corporate world and you see like the very, you know, steady paycheck. And I think a little bit of that ability to disconnect. And, you know, this isn't my company. I don't feel that same level of connection with it to a degree. So it's easier for me to compartmentalize and be like, okay, I finished for the day. I'll get to the rest of it tomorrow. Right. So like with anything there, the grass is always going to be greener and there's always going to be trade-offs. And I think it like, it comes down to your values and what is important to you. And I think that can kind of help in terms of which path is the right path for me. And like you were talking about before, like stability and being able to work for yourself, work-life balance. You want to think about all those things and really think what does this best ultimately correlate with? As we begin to wrap up, I'd love for you to share for someone's like, all right, yeah, like I know I, I can do whether I do more in my career or earn more money. And I think most people want to earn more and they don't necessarily always want to trade the time and efforts to earn more, but they like most people, I think, want to earn more or are under earning. What are some immediate just next steps, things they can do after they click off of this podcast, other than to follow you, which we'll talk about where they can find you. What can they do to like start moving the needle to make the money they deserve so they can reach their goals? Yeah, absolutely. I think either sides of the spectrum, whether you're working for yourself or you're working, you know, a typical nine to five job, the first thing is to really do the market research, right? Because if if we want to get we want to get a raise because we feel like we're being underpaid, we need the research to back that up, right? And really figure out, okay, how am I being paid in comparison to people who have this title in my city, right? Am I well below the average? Then that's going to be like a pretty immediate, you know, step that, okay, I need to start planting the seeds and have a conversation with my manager to make sure that at the next rounds, like I'm getting that raise, right? And then similarly, like on the entrepreneurship side, evaluating your rates, like we were just saying, having a conversation with a with somebody that you know in the business and asking like, what are you charging for this? Like, what are you getting paid for this? Where am I falling in line with that? And going into a new year, do I need to change my rate card, right? So doing the market research is, is so important to just like, for those quick wins to a degree, doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow, but at least you can start to facilitate in the next month or so. And I also think too, like, which I'm sure you talk about all the time, so I won't go into detail, but like really thinking about like, what are my goals, right? What are my goals for the next quarter, for the next year? Where do I want to be? And if that's the case, like moving backwards from there, like mapping it out, what do I need to do in order to make that happen. I do that at the beginning of ever or in December leading up to the next year. What is my revenue goal for the year? What then needs to happen in order for me to, to do that, right? Like creating the action plan. So I think the market research and like the working backwards action plan are some immediate steps. And going back to that first kind of tip, right? Let's just say you do the market research and you realize like there is a, there's a limit. Like I'm actually earning what it is that I'm supposed to earn a, according to the market research. So this is a kind of a dead end or a cap. So they need to maybe do something else and pivot. 
do you recommend or what are your thoughts on uh, evaluating those kind of opportunities? And some people think about, okay, I need to go back to school to get a, an, another degree, but that degree can be expensive or cost money. Like how should they be evaluating that pivot and the things needed to make that change? If they're maybe, they, and do they always need that new degree or certification? Yeah, no, I'm so glad you brought that up because I am, I have like, I don't want to say peppy, that's the wrong word, but I think this is a really big misconception as well. A lot of the times we think if we need to get paid more, we need to go back to school, get further education. And while there are some fields where like education is necessary, right? Like if I want to be a lawyer, if I want to be a doctor, if I want to be a therapist, but outside of that, and I know like other generations and like the baby boomer generation will not agree with me, but I really don't believe that in a lot of situations it's necessary. So again, like this is where market research is so pivotal, right? Talk to people in the fields that you potentially want to pivot into and find out, did they go back to school for certain things? Maybe in the end they took like a certification online that costs like a thousand bucks, but it gave them like the upskilling opportunities that they needed, right? So don't make any assumptions and don't spend money before you know that you need to. You need to do the research to really figure it out. And then you can make a more informed decision from there. But like so many people go back to school and get their MBA. And while an MBA is wonderful for so many reasons, I don't necessarily think it's a necessary degree for a lot of people. So really like be intentional, do market research, have the conversations before you make any of those decisions or before you act on anything. And sometimes I think going back to get the higher degree is more, it's like an internal like feeling of validation you need. Like you don't feel like you're good enough for it. It feels like it validates you to others, which I get. I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's like a notch on the belt that people tend to respect more in certain fields. But I sometimes feel like that starts from internally. Like you think it will fix your perception of yourself or how others perceive you only to realize like no matter what you do, like even if you get the highest degrees, you still might feel like you're not perceived well. You don't even perceive yourself well, which is why so much of the work we talk about while we talk about external action really starts from within and how we view ourselves. 100%. 100%. Yeah, there's so many beliefs that we have about how we view ourselves and how we need to be that are completely self-created, right? Like for a good reason that it's what we see other people doing and society has taught us these things. Our parents have taught us these things, but it's so important to get clear on what those beliefs are and which ones are like 100% true and which ones are not true and are ultimately holding us back. So yeah, it always starts with your mindset before you can move into any type of strategic action. Oh my gosh, Eliana, this was amazing. Please let everyone know where they can find more about you and your work. Yes, absolutely. No, thank you for having me. This was such a fun conversation. So really simple. You can find me on Instagram, Eliana underscore Goldstein. Same thing on LinkedIn, Eliana Goldstein. Same thing on TikTok everywhere. I keep it really simple. So send me a DM. I would love to chat with you and and hear more about kind of where you're at in your career and what you're looking to accomplish. I love that. I will make sure to link all of that in the episode show notes. Thank you so much again. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me in the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, 
your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here, so show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast, with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.